You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Good morning. Whoa. I feel so official with this headset, but the reality is they just don't trust me with a microphone. Anyways, <laughs> so our reading today is going to be from Jude 8, uh, 8 through 13. So let's stand as we read from God's Word. Yet in like manner, these peace People also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you, but these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of the gains to Balaam. Error and perishing Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Good morning. How's everybody? Survive frontier days? Yes, good. Uh, we, are, we are in Jude. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Keith. I'm the lead pastor at Meadowbrook Church. Uh, if you're visiting with us, so happy that you're here. You know, you sh- should have received the bulletin on your way in. Uh, if you could fill that out, there's a little tear-off thing there. If you could fill that out, let us know how you found out about us. Take it to the welcome desk, uh, and there's a gift waiting for you. Would love, would love for you to receive that. We're in Jude. We've been in Jude, and I think after last week, you probably were beginning to realize, if you had not realized yet, that Jude is just loaded. It is loaded. There's so much packed into each of these verses, and just these short 25 verses, there's just so much packed there. And, and verses 8 through 13 is no exception. This is just a loaded uh, section of, of Scripture. And so what I want to do is my hope is to just get us to, to help you understand what it is that, that Jude is, is referring to here, what, what's the point. And then my, my goal is that by the end of the sermon this morning, your hearts will soar over the reality of who this Jesus is, who is Master and Lord. And so that's my goal. That's my goal. Uh, I want to propose something to you, and I don't think most of you, probably all of you, are not surprised by this. It's going to sound a little pessimistic at first, but I think by the end of our time together, um, your heart will be filled with hope. There is a fierce battle over the souls of men, women, and children, not just uh, in other countries, but in America, not just in America, but in Wyoming, and not just in Wyoming, in also in Cheyenne, that um, this fierce battle is spiritual in nature. Uh, there's a phrase that, 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 that I'd like to use to describe that fierce battle, and that is the spirit of the age. We know from the Bible that the devil is also called the prince of the power of the air. He has given some reign over the world and over governments and the ideologies of, of nations. He's on a leash. It's a long leash. God holds that leash, but, but he has some freedom. 
within the realms of that, of, of that leash. And there are three methods that Satan uses that I think kind of just comes to the surface of Jude, just surfaces to the top here that we, that we see. There are three methods that he uses. We see those three methods in the Garden of Eden when Eve and Adam rebelled against God. We see it at work within the world. We see it at work with, with those methods at work within, within our nation and in our state and in our city. And, and those methods have to do with Satan working to get people to doubt the goodness of God him wanting, as a result of that, wanting, the goal is to, 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 that you trust your own wisdom as a creature over the word of the creator, who is God, who is Yahweh, and that he hopes that you will seek your joy in those things that God has prohibited rather than what God, as a benevolent father, has, has um, promised you. So uh, those are the three methods. Satan works to get you to doubt God's goodness and his word, he, he wants you to trust your own wisdom over the wisdom of God, and he hopes that you will find your joy in everything and anything other than the God who made you in his image. Does that make sense? The, those are his methods. And we see that in our culture, and we see it working its way you know, through just every facet of, of our culture. You see it in some of the curriculum in our schools. You see it in government. You see it, you even see it in some legislation you see it in some, our, some of our movies. You see it in the way we, still, we tell stories. We, we see it, and it's, it's all over the place. Um, I mean, this is not in my manuscript. I, I actually hesitated to even share this, but I, I, I think an embodiment of just where this is going and just, the, just how far the spirit of the age will push culture uh, I came across a, I don't have a TikTok account, but I came across a, uh, it was a TikTok video, I guess, and now it's just kind of made its way through social media, of an individual, uh, a guy who identifies as a female, who, who uh, hopes to receive a certain uh, implant that uh, with technology maybe would one day allow him to become pregnant for the purpose of aborting a child. That's his TikTok vi video. That, that's the spirit of the age. Now, that's, that's an extreme example. Um, in other ways, it's much more subtle. But, but what, are, what is the method of Satan? To, 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 to get you to doubt the goodness of God because he wants you to trust in your own wisdom over the wisdom of the, of the creator who is God. And uh, his hope is that you will, you will seek a joy in anything in other, uh, other than God with the goal of, listen, with the goal of of, of your spiritual death. He is a thief, and he is, he, he, the Bible describes him as a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So I just, that just sets the, the, the stage for where we're going here in June. In terms of the spiritual warfare thing, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, says this. Ready? Let's, let's read this together. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's why uh, the, the spirit of the age and what Satan's doing in our, in our world is legit. What I just, just described to you is, is a legitimate thing that's happening. And listen, Jude's concern here is that it's found, the, it's found its way in the church. 
through these false teachers who have crept in. Uh, you'll, you'll remember in, in verse 4, he says, These certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were destined for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And that's what they want to, want to happen within the church, these, you know, these, in, in the church. So there are two realities that I just want to just highlight here that Jude you know, highlights here. And the first is this. Reality number one is that there is no freedom apart from the Creator. Now, the world will tell you there's freedom outside of life and worship of the Creator. But the reality is, is that there is no freedom apart from the God who made you in his image. Your purpose, your purpose and your design is rooted in the fact that there's a creator who made you in his image, that you exist for him, that we exist for him, that, that he made you to, to know a joy that can only be experienced in, in this purpose that's rooted in the fact that you bear the identity, that you reflect the identity of this living God. And, and these false teachers these false teachers that threaten the church, they found their way into the church, and, and Jude is warning these Christians, don't, don't buy into their lies. Now, I said last week that, that uh, most false teachers, most false teachers, I think, start out well and start out strong. And somehow, somewhere along the way, they deviate off course, and at some point in their life, they wind up buying into some type of, uh, of bad theology, false doctrine, and they wind up teaching it. That's, I think, most false teachers. Some false teachers know right from the beginning, I am an agent of Satan, and I'm happy to be that. And so Jude warns these Christians, and uh, he, he, defi he classifies or he calls these people, these, these people, these people, they snuck in, they're unnoticed. They, 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 the danger is that they may get you to doubt the promises of God, reject God's design and plan for the, the lives of his people, and ultimately get these people in the church to abandon God for, for sins that cannot satisfy. You know, that's idolatry, by the way. You know that, right? Like, um, when, we, when we decide we're going to sin against God, and we all fall into that, what we essentially do, me, me included, what we essentially do is we say, we might not say it with words, and we might not even say it with, it, it with our own minds, but what essentially we're saying is, I believe that this thing will satisfy me more than the way that God can satisfy me. And these false teachers try to get you to buy into this stuff. And, and so verse 8, this is, so, so yet, in like manner, well, 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 in what manner, Jude? Well, in light of what I just said, Right? Uh, in, in light of uh, the people I described for you, these, these people who, the, the Hebrew people who, who did not believe God's promises, so they never entered into the promise, uh, into God's promise, uh, the, the, these angels who, who rejected the authority of God, even though they were in the presence of God, rejected his authority and crossed the line in terms of authority um, and, and, and did horrible things. And and uh, these, these, these men, young and old, in Sodom, who had got to the point where there was no turning back. In light of that, in like manner, these people, these, these people who have crept in, rely on their dreams. Now, here, here's the interesting thing about this. In the Greek, he's basically saying, Jude is basically saying, 
it's not, he's not talking about dreams that they have. Like they're not having these dreams, like they, they went to bed, had dreams of like blue smurfs walking on the wall or whatever. Like he's talking about a dream world that they live in, that they've gotten to the place where they're in such a state of mind that they believe what they're teaching is reality. Right? So, which can happen. They live in a dream world. They are dreamers, and he goes on to say, who defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. And I'm going to unpack that for you just to kind of set up the, the last part of my sermon here. So what are they doing? Yeah, what do they do? Well, he, he, he gives us a list. They, they defile the flesh. You know, it's going back to what, what, what were these guys doing in Sodom? They, they reject the authority of God. They reject the authority of God over their lives. This is why they deny Jesus as master and Lord. They want to live life their way. And... Uh, and so they've gotten to the point that they, had, they have no respect for even, you know, the angelic realm. Now, there's a whole sermon I could preach on this, and we could spend a lot of time talking about some of these goofballs that are on TV who, who, say that, who, who believe they have power over COVID or, or authority over demons. Um, Jude says, I mean, I, I, apparently these guys don't read Jude, um, that you see on TV or write these books. But he said these people have gotten to, the, they, they, they've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten who they are. They, they, and how did they forget who they are? They blaspheme the glorious, glorious ones. They speak as ignorant fools about things they don't fully understand. Like here's the reality. The devil is powerful. He will squish you like a bug if he could. He, you, you, you have no power over him and of your own self. I want you to hear that. You as a human being, I as a human being, have no power in of ourselves over the devil or over demons. Our authority comes from Jesus Christ. He is master and Lord. It is his authority that the demons quake before. It is uh, before the authority of Jesus as Master and Lord that the devil shakes. He doesn't shake over you. He scoffs at you. And so, like my mentor said, if you ever find yourself encountering the demonic, you better be sitting in the lap of Jesus. And so, the, but these people, these people, they had no regard to, regarding authority, both authority in the church and authority, the spiritual authority, or in this case, the angelic realm. And he even uses an illustration. He says, he goes back to Jewish tradition, which is a way of saying those things that were passed down from generation to generation that were most likely true, and in this case, because Jude quotes this and refers to this in the Bible, this, I believe this happened that when Moses died, and if you read about Moses' death in Deuteronomy, you will not see anything about Michael, the archangel there. But apparently when Moses died, there was a dispute. And the dispute was between the archangel Michael, who we know is an archangel based on what we read in the Bible. We, we, we even read of um, you know, this, 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 this battle between angels where one angel was held back 
or are postponed from reaching Daniel because of the prince of Persia, which was a, some type of demon. And, um, and so we read about these things, but in this case, Michael and the devil disputed. And what did Michael do? Did he, say, did he call the devil a fool? Did he, say, did he, did he demean him? Did he, did he uh, discount the, the power of the devil? No. You know what he did? He said, the Lord rebuke you. He went to the authority of, of Yahweh, God, as his authority to rebuke the devil. Jude says these people, these people who have crept in, they've lost their minds. They live in a dream world. They, 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 they reject, not only do they reject the authority of God, but they have no idea concerning the authority that they, that, that they, that they uh, blaspheme regarding these angels. They think that they have authority that trumps the authority of, of anything else. And they teach that way. And, and, if, and Jude is saying to us, Christian, if you're paying attention to what's happening around you, you'll see this stuff. And if you're holding on to Jesus as your master and your Lord, and you understand what that means, that he's master and Lord, you'll, you'll be able to call out the fakes that you see in your bookstores or that you see on TV or, or, or that you hear about on YouTube. That's another way, you know, false teachers creep in now. <laughs> Now with technology, they sneak in unnoticed through YouTube. Everybody's got a platform um, to, to share their views. And, and Paul, said, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, he, he, he said, like he writes of these types of people, he says, for many of whom I have often told you now, and, and now tell you even with tears. So this is breaking the Apostle Paul's heart. They now walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. He said, false teachers, I don't think most of them start off thinking, I'm going to just teach false doctrine now. They grab, they, it's like their compass is whacked. <laughs> and, and they find themselves in a whole different realm than where they started. Now they're teaching doctrines of, what the Bible calls it, doctrines of demons. And, uh, and Paul says, my, my heart breaks over these people. And he doesn't say a few. He says many, many people have, have wandered off into this. And so Jude is warning, warning these Christians, you know, don't do it. Well, how do I not do it, Jude? Like, how, how do I protect my heart against this kind of thing? How do I guard my heart against these kinds of people who sneak in, who deny our only master and Lord? Well, he, he gives us two ways, and I've actually said this from the very beginning of our sermon series in Jude. He, he tells us in verses 3 through, through, through 4, hold on to the faith that was once and for all passed down to you. What does that mean? Don't put it on a shelf where it's going to collect dust. <laughs> hold on to it. What does hold on mean? It, understand it. A apply it to your heart and your life. Well, I had a, a, a professor who had us do something in my doctoral uh, program, in one of the doctoral classes I had. He, he would have us, before we even started the class, and we'd spend like eight hours together uh, for four days straight, he would have us just read over a section of Scripture, and he said, he said, now what I want you to do is I want, let's read through this passage and let's let the Word of God saturate our hard hearts before we dive into this thing. And that stuck with me. Like I, 
<laughs> I have, um, I mean, we live in Wyoming, we live in Cheyenne, and this year is the exception. But usually around, by this time of the year, my lawn is hard as rock, right? Like I, I, have, to, I have to water it and water it. And, and when, the, when the soil becomes so dry, if I just took a cup of water and just threw it onto, that, onto the soil, what is it going to do? It's going to beat off or run off, right? But if I slowly allow that, pour that water onto, and I take a bucket, and I just slowly allow that water to saturate the hard soil, what is it going to do? It's going to soften the soil. That's what, the, that's what you do with the Word of God. Don't get up in the morning and read a verse and think you check the box. When you get up in the morning, read the verse and think about it. Let it, let it soften the hard soil of your heart. And, and so Jude says, hold on to this faith that was once and for all passed down to you by the saints. And, and then secondly, you know, <laughs> embrace Jesus as Master and Lord. Embrace him as your Master and Lord. Trust him as Master and Lord. Believe what he said to be true. Uh, that's, that's what you do. And so, um, and, and so Jude in verse 10, he says, but, but these people, they blaspheme all that they do not understand and, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. This is the path we're going down. Now, how do I keep myself from going down that path? Hold on to Jesus and, and hold on to that faith that was passed down by the saints, which leads me to reality number two, and this is where I wanted to get to. Uh, reality two, that there is no life apart from Jesus uh, in my notes, no life apart from Jesus as master and Lord over your life. Like, there's, there's no life apart from him. And, and so in verse 11, uh, he, he, Jude just, he pronounces a prophetic curse upon these, these false teachers. Now, what do I mean by prophetic curse? It's, kind of, it's the same way that Jesus pronounced woes upon the Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees and scribes, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed sepulchers full of dead man's bones. You clean the cup on the outside, but on the inside it's just rotten to the core. Like, and he, does a, he provides a series of woes upon the Pharisees and the scribes. Well, Jude says, woe to you. you know, in verse 11, he says, um, woe, <laughs> woe to them. For they walked in the, so he gives us three illustrations. For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. So, so what is he talking about there? Well, one, they walked in the way of Cain. What, what does that mean? What, is, what does it mean that they walked in the way of Cain? So here, here's, a, when the Bible uses walk or walk in the manner of, it's talking about a lifestyle. So, so if we walk in a manner of, you know, the, the life of Jesus. That means we're following him. There's a phrase that was used uh, in the days of Jesus that, and it was in the form of a question, are you covered in the dust of the rabbi? Meaning, do you walk so closely behind the teachings of the rabbi that when he kicks up the dust with his sandals, are you covered in the dust of the rabbi? Uh, well, well, these guys, the reason why Jude says woe to them is because they're walking in the manner of Cain. They're kicked, the, the dust of Cain's sandals cover them metaphorically. You know, uh, well, what does that mean? Well, they, you know, think about Cain. Cain was the firstborn son to Adam and Eve. Then Adam and Eve had another son by the name of Abel. Now we're told in the Bible that, that um, 
Abel had a heart for the Lord. He had a heart for God. And when he worshiped God, he gave his best. He just, it wasn't because he thought he was earning God's favor. It was just an expression of his love for the, for the God of Adam and Eve. But Cain just was going through the motions. We learned that from the scriptures. He just did it. It didn't mean his heart wasn't entirely into it. He just did it. And then we're told that God showed favor towards Abel or had regard towards Abel's sacrifice over Cain's. And so what did Cain do? Did he say, you know, maybe something's messed up in my life. Maybe I need to get my life back on point. Maybe maybe I need to meet with God and find out, hey, hey Lord, you know, I, I want to worship you and I want to worship you well and I, I want to know what, what all that looks like and what that means. Did he do that? No. We're told that he got angry. And he conspired, thinking that this would fix his relationship with God, he conspired to murder his younger brother, and he did that. And God judged him. And Cain is forever associated with, with evil, violence, wickedness, immorality, all those things. He settled in the land of Nod, we're told, east of Eden. And uh, in fact, 1 John chapter 3, verse 12 um, says this, the words are not on the screen. He says, we, we, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder, murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. And so these false teachers walk in the way of Cain. Uh, they might not be murdering their younger brothers, but the, the, the hearts are, 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 have evil intentions. They walk in the way of Cain. Secondly, they've abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. Again, if you're just paying attention around you in the bookstores or whatever, if your eyes are set on, on Jesus as Master and Lord, you will be able to see, you'll be able to see um, you know, the false teachers. You'll be able to point them out. Um, you'll be able to notice the counterfeits. So they have abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's out. Well, who's Balaam? You can read about Balaam in Numbers 22 through 24. We don't have time to do that. But uh, Balaam was a prophet who's, who's, who was called by God to speak on behalf of God to the people of God. But what did he do? He was hired by a pagan to try to entice, to, to entice the Hebrew people to sin against God. So he took a bribe. He, he was hungry for money, not for, for the Lord. Uh, one, one commentator said of Balaam, he was a prophet for pay, a hireling, a profiteering preacher. Gold was his God and money his master. Ministry for, for making money, not caring for God's people. You know any of those people? I, I don't even need to name them. Like some of them got private jets. <laughs> Right? First clue, false teacher, <laughs> um, fleecing the people of God. And, and so they, they, they follow after Balaam. They're, they're hungry for their own gain. Uh, Peter, in, in 2 Peter, says this of, the, of, of, of these people. 
because Peter's addressing some of the same people that Judah is. He said, forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Boer, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. This is a fun story, by the way, if you read it in Numbers. A, A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Um, read it sometime. It's interesting. But how did, so what, what came of Balaam? He died. He died by the edge of the sword and then found him standing before the presence of God, the one that he was supposed to speak on behalf of. So don't be, so, so they walked in the way of Cain. They have abandoned themselves for the sake of gain. This is what living in a dream state looks like, theologically. And then they have perished in Korah's rebellion. Who's Korah? Korah was some dude who didn't like the way Moses and Aaron were leading the Hebrew people. I'll say that again. Korah was a guy who did not agree with the way Moses and Aaron were leading the people of God and thought that he could do it better. And so he challenged publicly the the authority of Moses and Aaron as shepherds that were called to the people of Israel, and he basically said they don't know what they're doing. He gathered a group of people who agreed with Korah, and then God judged him. In fact, you can read about the story where the ground swallowed up Korah and his followers. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, Moses wasn't expecting blind, blind obedience to his leadership. He was a shepherd that God had called to the people. He was a shepherd who had demonstrated that he wasn't interested in filling his belly. He was interested in leading the people to Yahweh, to God. And Korah rebelled against that. And, and, and the, the, Jude is saying, "Don't. Be, this is what these people do. Here's, here's what I've... Um, seen with false teachers. And I've been, I've, I've been a lead pastor. I'm going into my 20th year as a lead pastor. I've had plenty of time to see this. And what typically happens is you have, you have this false teaching, whether it's somebody in the church or somebody that they're reading or somebody that they're going to, the, the, somebody in the church who's going to these people. They receive this teaching, and what begins to happen is that the false teacher, in, in his or her way, gets the, 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 the person to doubt the authority and the legitimacy of said leader in the church. And then that graduates to or gravitates or evolves into a level of skepticism where you begin to doubt everything that's coming from, that, from the shepherd God has called to that, to that group of people and buy, and so that you buy into the false teaching of, of said false teacher. It happens all the time. And so this is why the author of Hebrews says this. He says in Hebrews chapter 13, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. What is the leader called to do? What is the shepherd called to do? They're called to lead people, to lead the people to the God of the Bible. And... Um, and they, like the false teacher, will be held accountable for what they teach. And so 
Korah and his followers, he was able to lead a group of people, over, I don't know exactly how many people, but he was able to lead a group of people to follow him. And they all perished. They all perished. And so the, the, Jude is saying that these people have crept in. Are like, they've walked the way of Cain. They're interested in filling their own bellies. They're not, they're, they're, they're interested, they want to take advantage of the sheep for their own gain. And, um, and, and they have an idea of authority concerning themselves that, that has no warrant. And there's no fear. They have no fear of, of um, I mean, they're in your love feasts, we're, we're told. They're, they've crept into your love feasts and they, they celebrate communion with you. They celebrate the Lord's table and there's no fear there of God. They, again, verse 4, they pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And, um, and so, here's, so then Jude goes into another series of descriptions, like very, very descriptive words to describe, to describe these people. He goes on in verse 12, and if you have a Bible, it's good for you to see this. Uh, verse 12, these are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. What is Jude doing here? He is describing the culture and heart of these false teachers. In, in, in contrast to Jesus, who is Master and Lord. So bear with me here, because I, 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 by the end of this, I think you'll be encouraged. Uh, they are hidden reefs at your love feasts. What is a hidden reef? It could also be translated hidden rock. What, what is a hidden reef? What, what is the danger of a hidden reef? Well, if you're in a ship, um, it, could, it, it could do damage to the ship. These hidden reefs could capsize your faith. That's why, you know, the, the, they're hidden. Um, the, the danger is just below the surface. They sound really good, but, the, but, but there's something kind of off about what they're teaching, and the danger is just below the surface. They are shepherds feeding themselves. They're, they're unlike the under-shepherds that Jesus appoints to feed his sheep. These sheep, or these shepherds, are false teachers only interested in exploiting the sheep for their own gain. They're waterless clouds. Well, what's a waterless cloud? If you're in the desert, you don't want to experience a waterless cloud. If you're, if you're so parched and so thirsty that if you don't get some kind of, some kind of water, you're going to die. A waterless cloud offers no rain. They promise, but you look at it and they promise something satisfying. They promise something that will, that will quench your thirsty soul. But at the end of the day, there are a waterless cloud that's just blown around. They're waterless clouds. They are fruitless trees. I, I love how he describes this. Twice dead and uprooted, meaning they are doubly dead. <laughs> uh, false teachers don't provide life-giving fruit for the people of God. They provide poison. Um, tre you know, trees in late autumn would have been expected to have fruit on them. Not so with the false teachers. They're dead. They're doubly dead. Fifth, uh, there are wild waves of the sea that cast up the foam of their shame. What is that? Well, how many of you have been to the ocean before, or the beach, right? Um, when the, especially when the, when the waves are a bit rough, 
What, what do the waves do? What, is, what does the foam look like? Does it look all pretty and clean? No. What is it doing? It's dredging up the, the muck from the, from the ocean floor to the surface. That's what happens with these false teachers. They're wild waves, and, they're, and it won't be long before you're able to see their sensuality and to see their sin. And then there are wandering stars. If you're, if you're a captain on a ship and you're using stars to, to, to guide you, you know, to where you're trying to get to, um, you're not going to depend upon shooting stars. Right? <laughs> it makes no sense. But these are wandering stars. They, they, you can't depend on them. They're not going to lead you to life. They will lead you, they will lead you to death. And they're, and he, Jude says, they're, they're glo- you know, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. So, so what's the point? I was thinking about this. I was thinking, okay, so Jude, you give us, you give us this list. You give us this list of, of, of word pictures of describing these people. What are you doing here? What is it that you're, that you're, you're trying to get us to see? He's doing this, brothers and sisters, you got to see this. Like he's doing this in contrast to Jesus as Master and Lord. Here's where it gets fun. Um, I, I was geeking out about this. Unlike the hidden reefs that destroy, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Hidden reefs could destroy, they could kill. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Unlike the greedy shepherds that exploit the sheep, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Unlike the waterless clouds that leave the thirsty empty, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never what? Thirst. Unlike fruitless... (laughs) Fruitless, doubly dead, and uprooted trees. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, look, if you root your life in me, you will bear fruit. If you root your life in me, you will know life. Unlike these fruitless, doubly dead, uprooted trees called false teachers. Unlike the wild waves of the sea that spew up filth, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have what? The light of life. He is your true north. He is the the compass. He is all that you need. And then, um, unlike the wandering stars that lead to death, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The false teachers are like, okay, you want life? You want eternal life? You, you follow my teaching. Jesus said, you follow me. And every faithful shepherd, every leader in the church that God has called to lead his people will point people to Jesus as master and Lord. Every false teacher will try to demean Jesus, try to bring him low. Here, here's, um, here's what I want you to see. Every one of those statements is a statement where Jesus begins with the phrase, I am. Some of you may be connecting the dots. Moses saw this burning bush. He approached the burning bush and discovered that it was Yahweh. 
And, and God, God spoke through the burning bush and said, I want you to lead my people out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt to the land of promise that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses said, well, okay, but when I go to the Hebrew people, who do I tell them has sent me? You know what God said to him? You tell them I am who I am sent you. You tell them that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent you. You tell them Yahweh sent you. Every one of those statements that I listed of Jesus are, it begins with ego and me in, in Greek. It's I am. This is why every time Jesus said something like that, people wanted to, the, the, the Pharisees wanted to kill him because they believed he was blaspheming. Jesus was saying, the one that spoke to Moses is the one that's in your presence speaking to you now. I am that. The author of Hebrews begins with this phrase. Um, you know, this, is why, this, this, is why, this is why the false teachers deny Jesus as master and Lord because of his true identity. Like Hebrews says, long ago, the words will not be on the screen. It's Hebrews chapter 1, the first three verses. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. Speaking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature because he is God. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The reason why, listen brothers and sisters, the reason why Jesus is able to keep you is because of his identity, of who he is. He's master and Lord. And he will not lead you to death. Not spiritual death. Following him will lead to life. Because of who he is, the world and the devil can bring their worst and you could trust that you will not be destroyed or consumed because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. When you find yourself walking through the valley of the shadow of death, metaphorically or literally, you can know that you're not alone because Jesus is the good shepherd. The world and the devil will tell you that the slop that they offer will satisfy, but you can reject their lives because you know the one who is the bread of life who is also living water. When you feel like a failure, you know, that you, have, that you have little to nothing to give, remember the one who keeps you is the true vine. When the devil, the world, or the temptation from, you know, that you receive from your own flesh seek to entice you to believe that the way of righteousness will not get you very far, you can trust that Jesus is your true north, that he is the light of the world. And the devil and the world will try to convince you to walk another way, but you know the one through whom he created the world. He is, again, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. You can follow him knowing that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Like, this is, the, this is the one. This is why Jude wrote his letter. This Jesus is master and Lord. There is no other like him. Jesus said of Satan, and the worship team can come up, Jesus said of Satan that the thief comes, what? To steal and to kill and destroy. That's the spirit of the age, brothers and sisters. But, he said, but Jesus said, let's go to the next slide. He said, but I have come, let's read this together, I have come that they may have life and have it what? Abundantly. 
That's why I tell you often, like this is not God's method to wreck your joy. The Bible, his word, is, is God's method to, to maximize your joy. Jesus came that they may have life and have it abundantly, unlike these false teachers. And if you follow him, you can trust that even, even if following him may lead to a physical death, or even if following him may, meet, may lead to you having to die to something that you've always wanted or that you've longed for, you can know that in the end it leads to life. Amen? Like, don't trade him in for some counterfeit. He is master and Lord. And the Bible tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, that this Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. You will be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Period. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.